what's up, everybody? We're back. This is the Follow You Anywhere podcast, and we are talking about help. I've fallen into sin. This is episode 67. It sounded like you were not sure what the name of our podcast was for a second. Did it? You're like, this is the Follow You Anywhere podcast. Well, maybe maybe I had forgotten because it's been so long ah. since we've done a podcast. We've been doing this for over a year, so hopefully you wouldn't have forgotten over just a little bit of like a two-week <laughs> break. Uh, no, so we, so we had a little break, but then before that we had a big break. So we've done one since... No, nah, we've done a couple. Have we? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's oh, yeah, just, we have. Life has just been busy. It's just been busy. Well, that's what I needed last week. The Beatles? Help. With? That's why we didn't get to do the podcast last week, because I couldn't get home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was traveling. I was trying to get back, and my flights were delayed and canceled, and it was a mess. And so couldn't couldn't do it. Yeah. I thought you were using some third world country to fly. And then come to find out. It was Delta. Delta. You know, like the premier. They did send me a $75 reimbursement. Oh, gee, thanks. And uh, they waived all my baggage fees for the return home trip. And they sent me a $75. Well, not reimbursement. They sent me a $75 credit. The premier airline company yeah, for Pensacola. I, not just for Pensacola. I feel like that's like everybody. Well, definitely for Atlanta because everything goes through Atlanta from here. Well, yeah. But. Well, if you fly Delta. But still, that's Delta. Also, I have to mention this real fast because I, I know it's I know it can be heard. Um, we got we got some drums practicing in the background, and you might hear it just a little bit. But that's what's going on. We got we got some people practicing because this weekend we got a big event. This weekend we got sportsmen give back. Sportsmen giving back. Yeah. Okay. Given. You got to throw that in given, in there. Sorry. Given. Sportsmen giving back. Giving back this weekend, and uh, and so we got some band members kind of practicing and getting ready for that. So if you hear the drums, they're drumming, drumming out there. It's just pad loops. Just, it's, it's the drum pads. It's over and over again. Yeah. They're a lot louder back here than I thought they'd be, though. I told but, you. I told you we were going to hear it. I mean, it's fine. People like drums. That's good. You just got to give them the word over the drums. Yeah. Everybody likes drums. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll go with that. I like drums. You like drums. That's fine. So. Yeah. We need to hop into this because you got some other stuff you got going on today. Life is busy, y'all. We know that. And so you got you got some other meetings, but we want our viewers to know that they're important. And uh, Listeners. And viewers, listeners, it's all the same. They're watching the stereo. Hey, they could be. You don't know. Uh, they could be looking at our picture on there while, while we're talking. Yeah. Anyway, you know what I mean. So we want to dive right in because today's a, today's a good subject. Um, today we're talking about feeling stuck in sin. So we've got some questions I want to throw your way, want to go over those, get into them, and, uh, and see what we can come up with. Uh, so this is, for, this is for people that are feeling like they're stuck in sin, that they're caught in the loop uh, of being in the sin and can't get out of it. So the first question is, can you be a believer and still struggle with daily sin? 
Can you be saved by the blood of Christ, being a believer in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and still struggle with daily sin? So the easy answer, or the simple answer, I guess I should say, is yes. Yeah, you can, because until you leave this earth, you're still uh, living in a fallen world, and you're tempted by the flesh, and you're tempted by... Uh, the devil, and you're tempted by the things that this world is constantly throwing at you that are all temptations. And so at times you're going to struggle. I mean, even Paul himself talked about the struggle he had in Romans. He writes to the church at Rome and he basically says, I mean, sometimes the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. And I mean, Paul was kind of like a big deal and when all it comes the church to Christianity. Said, Amen. Yeah, Paul, Paul was kind of, he was one of those guys where, you know, um, he, he's not one of these weak, immature believers. I don't think anybody's questioning Paul's salvation. He was pretty firm in the faith. He was an A-list Christian biblical figure. He, he was on the A-team. Um, I was trying to find where it is because I don't have that verse memorized, but... I'm pretty sure it's uh, somewhere around Romans 7 where he talks about that. Oh, there it is right there. Uh, Romans 7, starting in, well, let's just, for some context, we'll start in verse 13. He says, Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. Uh, so you get to that point and you're kind of like, Paul, what the heck are you talking about? I don't understand what you're saying. So then he clarifies it for us in a little bit easier language to understand in verse 19. He says, for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And so Paul says, the good that I want to do, at times I'm not doing the good things that I want to do. I know that they're right. I know that God's called me to do them. I know that I'm supposed to be doing them, that they're God's plan but at times I don't do them. And then he says, but those things that I know are evil, they're wicked, they're, they don't honor God, even though I know I'm not supposed to do them. And most of the time I don't. There are times where I struggle and, and I fall into sin. So, yeah, I'm going to go with if Paul struggles, then yes, it's entirely possible to struggle. And even if Paul didn't give us that great insight in Romans 7. Practically, it's true that 
a believer can still struggle with sin because even though we have the Holy Spirit living inside us, we're still living in a fallen world. Yeah. So looking looking at the other side of, you know, continuing on in that question. So if you can deal with daily sin, uh, and it's something that we will continue to be plagued with, continue to be tempted with, uh, if you are somebody that feels like they are stuck in an addiction or a sin that they are repeatedly going to, that they find themselves being tempted by on a daily basis, how do they get out of that? So let me just start kind of bouncing off of that first question to consider this, because I think the first thing that you've got to do is you've got to consider whether or not what we're just talking about is the case in your life, because just because a believer can struggle with a sin continually doesn't mean that just because you believe in God and you struggle with the sin continually that you're automatically a believer. It's also possible for an unbeliever to struggle with sin. It's sure. actually very likely because yeah. then you don't even have the Holy Spirit in your life to help you conquer over that sin. And so I think the first thing that you've got to do is you've got to consider, okay, this decision that I made for Christ, was it a true salvation decision? Uh, did I truly commit my life to Christ or was this something that I did because others told me to do it? Is it something that I did because my parents told me to do it? Is it something that I did because I was like, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. And so if I pray this prayer, I'm going to go to heaven and I'll have a great life here on earth. Those are not true salvation experiences. Now, those things can be factors that that help motivate you and point you in, in the direction of a true salvation experience, but those things in and of themselves do not bring about salvation. So I think you've got to start there and consider, okay, what is the experience that I've had? Is it a true salvation experience? Did I really come to a point in my life where I recognized my own sinfulness and how my sin separated me from a holy God. And I felt the weight of that sin, and I knew that, that I deserved to be separated from God for all of eternity. And, and I knew that Jesus had paid the penalty for that sin, and that it, that was a really big deal because the consequences of my sin are huge. Uh, did, did I feel the weight of that and know that, that I am a sinner and, and the sin that, that I have in my life separates me from God. And did I truly believe, not just with my mind, but with my heart, that Jesus did live the perfect life that I could never live. He did die on the cross and he did rise from the dead. And in believing with my heart, there was a, a repentance, a repentance from my sin where I repented of my sin and placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and a confession of Jesus, not only as Savior, but also as Lord, and a willingness to surrender to the Lordship of Christ, the commitment to say, God, not not my will, but your will. I'm going to live according to your word, and, and my life is going to be lived in a way that brings glory and honor to you. Did I really, truly make that decision? And, and here's why I think you got to start that way, because it's possible 
to have a a guilt or a conviction or um, a, a sorrow of sin and that not lead to salvation. And Paul actually talks about that in 2 Corinthians when he writes to the church of Corinth. He says uh, in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 7, Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance, for you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Now, what Paul is talking about there is what he just finished up saying in verse 8 when he said, even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. So what Paul is saying to the church of Corinth and what God says to us through that passage of Scripture is it's possible, it's possible to feel sorry about your sin and to feel guilty and convicted and that guilt or conviction not to lead to repentance. And that's not salvation. And so if, if you continue each day to feel guilty about your sin, but there's no desire to change it and there's no repentance taking place, then I think you've got to start with, have I truly committed my life to Christ? Because it might be that even though you've said the right words or you prayed the right prayer, you walked an aisle, you were baptized, it might be that you've not truly experienced biblical salvation. But if you can answer that question as, yes, I have experienced true, genuine, authentic salvation, that I have truly believed not only with my mind but with my heart, I have committed my life to Jesus, not only as Savior but also as Lord, and I've surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, and I have walked in the freedom of forgiveness and, and the victory that Jesus provides. But right now, there is a sin that I am continuing to struggle with. Then the question is, why? Why am I continuing to struggle with this sin? If it's not because it's not producing repentance, but that repentance just isn't lasting, like I'm repenting of it, but I keep falling back into it, I keep going back to it, then, then what is it that's causing that? So you've got to get to the root of the issue, and it's always a hard issue. It's always spiritual. There's always something spiritual that's uh, continuing to, to plague you in, in your consistent and uh, habitual sin pattern. And so you've got to identify what that is. Obviously, ask God to help you with it. But then, you know, just because it's a spiritual issue doesn't mean there aren't practical things that you can do to address a spiritual issue. And so uh, knowing Scripture and what Scripture says about whatever it is that you're dealing with and memorizing that Scripture, hiding God's Word in your heart, quoting those Scriptures whenever you're struggling with whatever it is that you're struggling with, I think that's a good practical way to deal with the spiritual side of things. But then also let's set up some guardrails, put some parameters in your life that guard against the things that you are struggling with. And so just some very practical examples, right? If the thing that you're struggling with is uh, lust or um, 
you know, pornography or, you know, watching things that you shouldn't watch, something like that. There are there, there's software programs that you can use to guard against that. But there's also just some practical things that you can do. Like if you know that there's a certain social media platform where you're constantly led down a rabbit trail uh, to look at things that you shouldn't be looking at, then stay off of that platform yeah. or set up some, you know, some guardrails in your life uh, to keep you from falling into that trap. Uh, same thing if, if your issue is substance abuse. Like, so let's say you're struggling with drinking too much alcohol. Well, if you've got a ton of alcohol in the house, then why don't you get rid of the alcohol in the house? And not go to places where you're going to be tempted to drink. Um, you know, there there are practical things that you can do in addition to the spiritual disciplines that that you can apply to your life that will help guard you against the temptation. And if you hide God's word in your heart and you set up practical uh, guardrails to guard against the the temptation and the trap that Satan wants to set. You work those things together. You put people in your life that are going to hold you accountable and encourage you and, and you know, point you in, in a direction that's the opposite of, of the direction the world's going to point you in and then spend time in prayer. I mean, to, to me, if you do those things, you're going to be a lot more likely not to struggle. Uh, doesn't mean that you won't ever struggle again. But you're going to be a lot more likely not to struggle consistently with a certain sin. So just kind of in summary, scripture, memory, hiding God's word in your heart, um, practical steps of uh, guardrails that you set up in your life, accountability through other brothers or sisters in Christ, and consistent prayer and in, in asking God for help. Yeah, that's really good. So let's look at it from the perspective of they go, I hear you. All right, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. But I have been trapped. I have been in this secret. And I've been I've been living this secret, living with this secret sin. You know, I, I do feel like I have given my life to Christ. I, I do feel like I am a believer and a follower of Christ, but whatever for whatever reason satan and sin has a a stronghold uh you know on me in this area of my life a lot of times we see that with things like you mentioned like lust or pornography or, you know drinking you know those types of things obviously it can be other things but those are a lot of things that people because it does you're you're it's it's going and we and the thing is we don't know what paul's writing about and we ne- we're never told but yeah. it, it's uh, there's tons of people that find themselves in that position of I don't want to do this and I do it, you know, because my body has, I'm addicted, you know, mm-hmm. uh, my brain and serotonin and all those things and do- whatever, you know, the endorphins and the scientific side of things that I'm probably butchering right now are, you know, are released and I'm, I'm getting a bodily, you know, uh, a stimulant and a high, you know, that, that my body is addicted to. And mm-hmm. and even though I don't want to do that, I don't know how to, you know, and doing those things is a way to combat that obviously. But, but one thing that we know is true is that especially in those moments, Satan comes, comes through with a loud 
megaphone saying you're not forgiven. You're mm-hmm. you're too dirty. You're too broken. Um, there's no way you can be loved. Same way, like in the garden, like they realized they were naked. You know, like all of these things. So, what do you say to that person that's going? Does does God really love me still? Even though I say that I love him, I believe that I love him, but I'm addicted to pornography or I'm addicted, I'm, I'm drowning in alcohol. What do you say to that person um, when they're hearing the voice of Satan and, and honestly probably the voice of our culture mm-hmm. saying this is better and yes, you're, you're not loved? Yeah, so there are three lies Okay, that they need to be addressed in that situation. The first is the lie of the world, which says, if you'll drink this, if you'll smoke this, if you'll sleep with this person, if you'll do this activity, if you'll go to this place, it's going to bring ultimate and final satisfaction. That's a lie. Uh, There's only one thing that can fill the void of the heart, and that's Jesus. And nothing else is going to satisfy the way that Jesus will. Uh, Nothing else is going to provide true peace, joy, hope, purpose outside of Christ. And so that's the first lie, the lie from the world. The second lie is the lie from Satan, which says that when you do these things, God doesn't love you. That's a lie. Uh, God loves you in spite of who you are. God God loves you in spite of the sins that you find yourself falling into. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and if you study the original language, what, what Paul is communicating when he writes to the church of Rome there is that you think about your worst point, whether it's past, present, or future, whatever the worst point of your life is, and understand that even though God knew you would do whatever that is, whatever that thing is that that you can put in that description of the worst point of your life, while you were doing that, Jesus was still dying for you. While you were committing that sin, Jesus was still dying for you. While we were yet sinners, while we were wicked, evil, rebellious, immoral, whatever it is that you want to throw in there, Jesus still died for you. And your sin does not change God's love for you. God hates sin, but if you're covered by the blood of Christ, the love of God uh, overcomes and conquers over uh, that that sin. Um, So the second lie is the lie from Satan that says that God doesn't love you when you sin. But here's the third lie, and I think this one's important too. The third lie is the lie that says that you can love God without obeying God. Because what does the Bible say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? So that doesn't mean that you're going to live a life of perfection. Doesn't mean that you're never going to fall. But if you, if you don't have any desire to correct those things, to try to get help, to bring what's in the darkness into the light, to get some accountability, to get some support, to, 
to do things to try to get unstuck, yeah, then I think you've really got to consider, do you really love God the way you say you love him? Yeah. He loves you, but maybe the, the question to ask is, do you really love him? Yeah. If you're not willing to try to to get out of that. Yeah. Because I, I think there's a balance there, right? The the balance is no, you're not unloved, you're not unworthy, you're you're not going to lose your salvation if you've truly been saved when you fall into sin. Um, and to say so is in in contradiction to to what God's word teaches. But on the other side, to say that you love God and that you've got a relationship with God through Christ and and to be content to continue to live in habitual unrepentant sin and say that you know it's wrong, but you just can't help it, but you're not really trying to do anything to get out of it, Yeah. then God's Word says that that's a description of someone that might say with their mouth they love Him, but they don't really love Him in their heart. Now, the only person that can determine whether or not that's true or not is the individual. Yeah. Like, they're the only ones that know, hey, do, do I really hate the sin in my life enough to do something about it? Or am I just saying, man, the addiction's so strong and I know it's wrong, but it is what it is. Yeah. You know, because those are two different ways of thinking about it. Right. So piggybacking off of that, I know we're going to be wrapping up here soon. So this is the last question and piggybacking off of that. First Peter 1 16 uh, tells us, uh, well, I guess starting in 15, it says, but as the one who called you is holy, you are to be holy in all your conduct, for it is written, be holy, because I am holy. If we go back a little bit, starting at verse 13, it says, therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. And then he gets to that 15. But as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. So if we look at that, we are called to follow in the path of the one who was holy. So we are called to live a holy lifestyle. What does that mean? What, you know, when you read that, when you see that, when you're a believer and it says, be holy. Mm-hmm. Somebody goes... Ugh. I'm wearing my holy pair of jeans today. You know, I'm holy, you know. What, yeah, that's a strong holy. What is, uh, what is, what does that mean for the, for the believer that is, because you can't strive to be what you don't know. Yeah. Obviously there are some key phrases in there that says be sober minded, mm-hmm. you know, obviously so we can go, all right, that's one thing that we can do to achieve on the path of holiness, uh, to ignore and to not, um, fall into the ways that you were before you knew Christ. So that's another, you know, representation of things not to do yeah. in order to be holy. But, but what, is, what does that look like? Well, literally, the Greek word means to be set apart. And so when you think about God's holiness, God is holy because He is set apart from sin imperfection, humanity. I mean, he is transcendent. He is all-powerful. He is far above, uh, and, and, and he is totally set apart from 
anything or anyone else because he is God. That's what it means for God to be holy. Yeah. But God calls us as followers of Jesus to be set apart as well. Like we ought to look different than the world. We ought to think different than the world. We ought to act different than the world. And and that does mean pursuing a lifestyle of holiness and you know righteousness and and right living and reading God's word and spending time in prayer and going to church and serving and giving and investing in God's kingdom all all of those things are true sharing our faith you know being mission minded being disciples all of those things are true and those are all things that we should do um, abstaining from sexual immorality, guarding our heart, guarding our eyes, you know, choosing not to rob God, choosing not to um, drink in excess, choosing not to um, be dishonest, choosing not to envy, choosing not to be arrogant or prideful. Like, there's a lot of things that we should do and we should abstain from in order to pursue holiness. But it also impacts the way we respond to sin. Because going back to what I was talking about when Paul wrote to the church of Corinth and he talked about godly sorrow producing repentance and you know another type of worldly sorrow that doesn't, you know, if we're going to be set apart and if we're going to be different than the world, it's it's totally possible for an unbeliever to sin and feel bad about their sin. Yeah. It's totally possible for an unbeliever to feel guilty or to have shame. It's totally possible for an unbeliever to do something and say, you know, I really wish I wouldn't do that. I don't like it when I do that. That makes me feel dirty. That, that makes me feel wrong that that makes me feel bad an unbeliever can feel that way but an unbeliever is not committed enough to changing it to actually do something about it yeah and i think that's where as believers we've got to be set apart we've got to not only feel the conviction and the weight of the sin and and know this is wrong. This is not God's plan. This is not what God desires. But we've also got to be willing to do something about it. Yeah. We we've got to be willing to act on that conviction. We we've got to allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to lead us into an act of repentance, to turn away from it. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean that you'll never fall into it again. But to walk in darkness and and walk in darkness with the mindset of I need to be walking in the light, but I just can't because um I'm I'm drowning in sin. That's that's not the way a believer responds. A believer responds with hope, and that hope comes from knowing Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to conquer over that sin. And doesn't mean it's not going to be a battle. Doesn't mean that, you know, there there aren't going to be battles lost while you're in the process of, of seeing the ultimate war won through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it does mean that you're going to be willing to do things to to pursue repentance and and apply 
you know, practices and principles to, to help put you in a position where you're not going to fall into those same, same traps over and over. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, looking at this as we're wrapping up, you know, the, the, the reality is, uh, as long as we are flesh, as long as we live and breathe on this earth, we will struggle with sin. Uh, sin will be prevalent in our culture. It will be prevalent around us and we are all broken people, but we can strive for holiness. We can strive to be set apart. Uh, and the true indicator of that, I believe, and, and you've said it as well, is is that that real self-reflection, looking at you, looking at your relationship with Christ, making sure that it is a true relationship, and then being proactive in steps yeah. to guard against uh, what Satan is trying to throw your way as far as the lies. So like you said, hiding the word in your heart, being near to what God's word says about specific things. And then also being proactive, even from a physical standpoint of getting help, being accountable, you know, those types of things, going to counseling, whatever it may be, but, but being proactive and taking physical steps to help you with those certain temptations or different things like that. Um, but the other thing would be to be reminded that you are loved you are covered by the blood of Jesus when you have a relationship with him, when you have made him the Lord of your life. And that's what the Father sees. He mm. sees that blood-covered sanctification, that person that has been from death to life, and 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 you don't have to live guilty, um, but you can't live freely in the sin at the same time. And so there's, there's a balance there. Um, but... Definitely looking at it from a perspective of there is a hope, and that hope is Jesus. And so um, you can be transformed in that, and you can live uh, a holy lifestyle. Uh, in my opinion, it would be it would be should be called a pursuit of a holy lifestyle because uh, we'll have temptations and we'll have struggles and we'll have shortfalls, um, but that pursuit of holiness. Um, will ultimately also lead us closer in a relationship with Jesus. Um, it should. Yeah. Um, What's the easiest way to solve the problem of secret sin? Making it not a secret. Telling somebody. Yeah. Yeah, because then it's not a secret anymore. Right, right. And then it's just sin. Yeah. And then you can work through that sin. And, and, and the thing that's so, and we've we've talked about this before, the thing that's so terrifying about secret sin is Satan is such a great manipulator. He's such mm-hmm. a great liar. I mean, that's his full-time job. And he makes you believe that nobody else has that struggle. Nobody else has that secret. Or maybe not that nobody else has that secret, but maybe nobody else in that position has that secret. Yeah. Or nobody else, um, you know, all the ways you're going to be judged and all those different things. And, and it's an isolator. Which is clearly not true. Yeah. Just read Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oof. I mean, there's Oof. some messed up people out there. Some. There's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, it's terrible. But so we encourage you, if you've got these struggles, uh, we're here as a staff. We're available to talk with you. Uh, we also know that there's plenty of opportunities for you to reach out. Uh, like I said, counseling, therapy, different things like that. There's resources available for you, software programs, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but be proactive, um, and and you don't have to feel 
well, you can feel stuck in your sin, but you don't have to stay there. Yeah, and, and real quick, and I know we're out of time, but you mentioned this earlier, and we didn't talk about this as a practical way to deal with um, continual or habitual sin. And it's not always a way, but you talked about the medical aspect of it. And sometimes there are neurological issues that need to be dealt with. Yeah. And God has blessed us with medical technology and medicine and doctors. And it might be that you need to get medical help. Yeah. A lot of times when people think that they're some medicine that's going to fix their problem. They don't need medicine. They just need the word of God. Yeah. But there are some times where you need medicine. And so don't be afraid to use the resources that God gives you when you consider the practical ways to address the issue of sin in your life that you continue to struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, that's all for this episode. We thank you so much for, for listening, uh, week in and week out. Here comes the theme song. What are we talking about next week? Next week we're continuing the continuing the help series, looking at why we do church the way we do it. Help me understand why we do church the way we do it. So we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. This is Follow You Anywhere.